Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with values and momentum. And we are 31.3-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for each week here in our value shop. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, it's uh, May 11th, 2012, and we have done a value screen, small cap value screen this week based on a ranking of low PE stocks that have good balance sheets. But before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. And I can't say these too strongly, Mo. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is a hobby for Mo and I. We are professional Wall Street analysts during the week, and we do a lot of careful fundamental analysis and talk to uh, competitors and managers, and et cetera. We don't do any of that here. Third, um, we uh, – what's the third one? Kind of forgetting it. Oh. Uh, we've been drinking. We, yeah, we've been drinking. Now, usually that's fourth, but it made me forget the fourth but one, which is we may not have your best interests in mind, so certainly do your own work. We may be accidentally recommending you do the opposite of what you should do. So, Or intentionally uh, telling you yeah, to we do might. something. Well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So see all of our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com where there's uh, links to old shows, photos our moms took. I think you put a diary up there or something like that. Yeah. Didn't you? So yeah. those were hard times. Uh, anyway, and we also have a best ideas list there, and importantly, something new. The worst ideas list. Yeah. Did you put that up? I did. I just posted All it. Right. Well, I didn't see that one. But no, we have, we have a new thing going on where uh, the value guys are actually on YouTube. Now, before you run off there to see the value guys, it's just a picture of us, so it's not, I mean, you know, but, it, but anyway, thanks to... Uh, Carrie Lutz and the Financial Survival Network, uh, they put us up on YouTube, so go check that out. And there is a link to it on our site at www.thevalueguys.com. Okay, we've got uh, three pretty good value ideas this week. If you tune in here, I don't know what you're going to get each week, but you'll get one thing for sure, and that is three pretty good value ideas, I think, oftentimes, small cap, and what we've been doing the last couple of months is we've been using the screens we use here in the shop. So we've got a couple small cap value strategies here. And we do things like screen on, you know, what you might think about. Low PE, low enterprise value to sales, low price to book. Uh, but we've also done some other things, which is look for good return on asset stocks and then rank them on valuation and go through them. The point is you're looking for an inbox of things to work on there's no black boxes that spit out the, you know, 10 stocks you should own or anything like that. you got to go through these things one at a time. And this week we've done a – we're back to one of the screens we did about two months ago. It's simply uh, – and we did this in Yahoo Finance, which is free. You can go there and do it. Low price earnings uh, on next year's estimate, which is probably a first call uh, median estimate. Uh, market capitalization below $2 billion. So companies that are worth less than that. Now, that might seem funny that that's small, but it is. And then we threw a little uh, debt-to-cap filter on there. I think I've said uh, less than 40% uh, 
debt to uh, debt to equity is what Yahoo lets you do. So uh, there's three names this week, and let me tell you what they are: uh, Fermanite ticker FRM, Krispy Kreme. That's one of yours, Mo. That's one of my names. Uh, and then uh, that's KKD if you're looking this up at home. And then finally, Standard Motor Products ticker. SMP, and then I think this week we'll we'll do the stocks, and then we're going to get back to uh, what's quickly becoming one of the favorite segments on the show, and in part I think that's because it's the uh, only segment on the show that we do. But it's called walking through national economic trends. Right, and I have it right here. Right. So uh, that'll be at the back half of the show. So let's kick it off. With uh, our first pick, we're going alphabetically this well, week. Well, before we do it, I want what? to quick ask you a question. A question, Mo? A question. All right. I hope I'm prepared. It's a macro question. Okay. Based, All right. Based on our low PE screen. I don't know. I'm sorry. Wait. You weren't done. <laughs> okay. I have a I'm with you. I have yeah. a question for you. All right. Based on your low PE screen. Right? Yes. You generated a list of 95 companies, because I just counted them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of that, 17 of those 95 companies yeah. that showed up on this screen yeah. had the name China in them. That's 20%. You know, no one trademarked that. That's why you see that. Otherwise, people couldn't do it. Why is 20% of the best PE stocks in the universe that you can pick out, why do they all have China in them? Mo, are you trying to stump me here on the value? I'm, okay, I'll tell you why. I'm asking you a question. I think I know the answer to that. Tell me. All right. We're, you know, what we do, we meet managers during the week. They come in here. We don't, uh, we don't discriminate. We, you know, some firms, they'll only see a management team. They'll look it up. They'll carefully look you know, I don't think this is quite the right valuation. I'm not going to be looking at that. Well, you know what? We're a school here. I, we're, I'm an idiot. I, I want to learn, 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 always. So if somebody is, you know, wants to bring their management team in here and make a pitch to us, we say yes just to everything because I have that sort of educational thought. Well, just like all these stocks on here are Chinese, for the last two or three years, Mo, I, I don't think it's half, but I'm going to say 20% of the invitations that we get to right. have people come in here are Chinese companies. China, and they're not themselves. They, they're, you know, there's brokerage firms that kind of specialize, specialize in that, and they're oftentimes around. West Coast, you know, guys because they're closer to China, I guess, you know. Okay. And so if you look out the window here, uh, you can see boats of stuff coming in from China. And a lot of them say China right on them. So you can see it right here. And I think what's happened is over the last couple years, uh, there's a sense that China's doing well. They're in the ascension. It's in the public domain. Everyone's in China, China, China. So there is an element of publicity. There's been a lot of publicity. But if it was, if it was positive publicity, that they wouldn't be showing up well, on no, the right. lowest well, part of the people. No, I understand. So I'm, it's, I'm, I'm meandering to my story here so a little bit. So... There's a lot of Chinese interest. There's a lot of interest in China. And so you got these Chinese companies. They want to get in on it. You know, it's popular. So all of a sudden, all these Chinese companies start showing up. And, you know, people think China's growing and all that. So they start buying these Chinese companies. Okay. What happens? Well, it turns out 
that a lot of Chinese companies, you're not going to believe no, this, Mo. I think I know no, where you're going. Uh, no, you are not going to believe. A lot of these Chinese companies. Don't tell me. They don't tell the truth you're in their financial statements. No. It's shocking. Really? And appalling. But a lot of them get caught in, let's just say, let's, just, let's not sugarcoat it, fraud and lies. Okay? Now, one bad apple doesn't make the whole barrel bad. I'm going to give you that. But if it's half the barrel... You really don't know which apples. To, I mean, if it's one, you're going to take a bite, right? Right. You'll still have a bite. But if it's if half, it's, if it's half, you're like, I need to go to a different store. So what's happened is, just babies out with the bathwater. People look at an earnings estimate on a Chinese company. They don't believe it, and they just divide it by ten. Well, don't so don't you think that's a great value area to say I want to get well, a guy in the firm that's uh, yeah. going to go to China? Yeah. Do the, I'll do that. Hire yeah. me. Will you? What about your? You have a job that's pretty good now. I know. That's amazing. Wow. Well, we have an exclusive here on the value the ability, guys. I'll go to one China. of the uh, one of the leading something somethings in the Wall something Street area wants to join up with I our think. little humble shop. I think I'm be great. shocked. Wow. Can well put that in writing. Anyway, here's the sounds, thi- sounds like fertile. Territory. We could work on something yeah, together. Like you know. Territory. But I think that uh, one thing you don't have in China, I mean, you have enough problems with it in America, is you don't have information. Even if you go to China, there are firms that specialize in ferreting out this fraud. They go there. They have cameras. They put up YouTube videos. I mean, there's things, there's reports. I don't want to name any, have a favorite, but there's specific reports. And they don't always get it right. This is a very, it's Wild West. So as a result... Low peeves. Got yeah, because no one believes them. So, uh, so our first Chinese company today. Now no, we don't have a Chinese. No, we're not doing a Chinese. I do. We do have a company. If we want to kick off with that, um, Fermanite. Fermanite. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a question for you. Sure. We're doing Fermanite first. Fermanite first. They provide online, great yeah. online services. Yeah. That's a big area. E-commerce, my friend. Well, online services. Such as yeah, le- or just reading the 10K right? leak sealing. So yep. I'm wondering, uh, wow, this is amazing. Now I've yep. seen a lot of online stuff. Yeah, it's it's all going e-commerce, my but friend. But leak sealing? Yeah, they 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 fix leaks. Uh, in, in uh, yeah, composite repair and valve testing. Yeah, and they do it all all online. online. Yeah. Now the yeah. thing that the, the only thing that threw me, which I thought was crazy, <laughs> this company was founded in 1927, well, which was before you could seal well, pipe no. leaks online. Now they're a little ahead of the time. They they have evolved. They've clearly evolved because back then they just did online. Uh, they just did leak sealing by telephone. Now they do it <laughs> online. Yeah, but they still and by the mail. Originally they did leak sealing by, by the mail. mail. By mail. Uh, so this is just an update of the old that yeah, business Yeah, it's still the plan. same model. Makes sense. But now it's online. Well, now that I understand what they yeah. do, I got to tell you, I kind of like the chart. Yeah. You know, it looks from a purely technical standpoint that they're, you know, if they can hold this four dollar and fifty cent yeah. level, you're 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 at a fairly clear support level. I would watch it for a while. If it starts to bounce from here, it's it's been right. a little bit of a tear. Tell well, me let me let think. me get into this a little bit because it may seem like we don't know what we're doing here, and that's right, of course, but. We did choose this out carefully, and uh, and here's the story on this. First of all, no one's ever heard of it, right? You're a professional. Have you heard of this? No. They've got a three thirty. They've got uh, yeah. They've got a thirty. Uh, let's see. No, I'm sorry. A hundred and sixty million dollar valuation. That's tiny. 
I mean, these three analysts, I can tell you, are most likely from firms that we've never heard of, and we've heard of a lot of firms. This is tiny, tiny. So that means less information in the market. It means opportunity to have some proprietary information. So I keep looking right there. Small. Then I'm going to look at the valuation. Uh, seven times EBITDA. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, flip that over, 1 over 7, 14% cash on cash return, the long bonded two. So I keep looking, I like that. Balance sheet, 20% debt to capital, uh, pretty good. EBIT margins, 9%. So they have enough money to cover their interest. It doesn't show the fixed charge coverage here, but if you're a 22% debt to cap and you've got a 5% uh, interest rate, which I'm sure you don't, then... You know, you're paying, uh, let's see, what's their cap here? Mm, well, assets, $200 million. Let's just start with that. 22% of that, $40 million. 5%, $2 million. And their EBITDA margin is 9% uh, on sales of $300 million. So they have $30 million, roughly, in EBITDA and probably a couple million in uh, interest. So well covered there, very safe. And, you know, this description we were talking about, you know, it's funny, but I think what this means is if you're a manufacturing facility and you cannot have any downtime, why? Because it's money, right? They must have some sort of sensor or who knows, some kind of equipment to know when this is happening. Or maybe they're, uh, you know, there's an online access to calling someone to come fix it immediately. Or maybe you have a device on your screen that you know, automatically seals things. You know, I, I don't know. Obviously, you have to look into this. But the fact that they point out that it's online, it just suggests to me that they've got a very nice dashboard to whoever's in charge of that facility to manage all the maintenance of the thing. And that's going to be better than having a guy walk around with a clipboard and figure out if your factory is uh, working. Um, they've got Pretty stable margins. Uh, if you ignore the recession year, they did dip from 10 to 3, but then right back to 9. There's an estimate this year of down a little bit, but I don't buy that. Analysts honestly don't know what those numbers are going to be in advance. Um, the sales, you know, since the recession have been consistently up. Again, the estimate for this year is very modest growth, but you have three guys that no one's ever heard of, so I'm going to guess you know, they're young and they probably are just being super conservative and, you know, who knows. But that's certainly worth checking into. And it's seven times EBITDA. I think maintenance is something that you can often think of as, a, you know, an annuity if you're doing a good job. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what their customer turnover is, but you'd want to know that, you know, and that kind of thing. But maintenance with pretty good returns. They're doing, uh, you know, they did a 12% return on assets last year, 20% return on equity, seven times EBITDA on maintenance business, good balance sheet, so I'm sold. That's my pitch, Mo. You know, I'll you know, just throw in a, yeah. here's a mechanical thing to think about, too. You know, if you look at the average daily volume of this stock is 123,000 shares. I mean, that, that won't generate, even at the retail level, $2,000 a day in commissions. So no brokerage firm really is going to pay attention to this, which is why you've only got three analysts following it. Yeah, who knows who those people are? <clears> and right? so, uh, you know, there are there there is always that possibility that when you're trying to find something that's undiscovered, look up at the uh, number of analysts that are following it because that's listed on every website or every yeah. whether you're on Yahoo Finance or yeah, whatever. They have it. 
the fewer the analysts, the uh, more likely you're going to be uh, at least uh, treading an untrodden territory. Untrodden? That's a, well, that's a technical term. Okay, so that's uh, Fermanite. Next up. Now, you've got one here you Krispy found. Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Love this. Yeah. You do? Well, we play yeah. a lot of, we, in our shop, we play a lot of big picture sort of macro trends. We, yeah. we think if you get on the right wave and it's big enough, um, no pun intended, given our next uh, name, if it's big enough, big enough, yeah. Then um, you know the odds of uh, making a mistake by choosing the wrong stock are minimized. So we play big long-term trends, and you know one of the things that just came out a week ago, uh, Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, major report comes out that in 2030, that's yeah. 18 years from now, yeah, 50 percent of the population is going to be obese. Obese, yeah. Well, how are you going to get there? Krispy Kreme, and yeah. that's the thing. Playing One, right into that uh, it's a big, trend. It's a macro trend. Macro, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah, you get no, a macro right, trend. Yeah. It's a big Well, like idea. your cell phone idea from uh, yeah. Yeah, earlier, or I guess it wasn't on the show. But play into a trend, take advantage of it. And uh, so... Is if, there any if the food that has more fat content per weight than a donut? I it's mean, a, that's, no, that's the beauty of Krispy Kreme is a pure play in the group. Mm. It's, uh, it's the most direct infusion of fat salt and yeah. sugar um it's of the group it has yes stuff. it has it's true it is it's delicious amazing. but it has the best numbers out there to play to this trend yeah. well what about uh the valuation uh well, here, or look the at, competitors i mean aren't, aren't other people into this donut thing or? starbucks come on it's a yeah. different zip code yeah. einstein's bagels these guys yeah. don't get it no this is a niche group they own it you know, if you're going to look at sprinkles or cupcake they companies do have like kind that, of a it's a different thing. Different. You know? Absolutely. So I like that idea. And take a look at this. They, these guys, if you just look down at, at the EBITDA margin, yeah. the EBITDA margin's gone from 7.2 to 8.7 to 10.4. 10 yeah. So they're, they're obviously tweaking something. Yeah. The, the sales have been going up 5%, 11%, 10%. Um, in the last three years, but they're, they're tweaking the business somehow. To maybe get a little some... better pricing, higher end. Maybe they're also selling a coffee, something right. like that. I so, don't know that. Do so these guys burst on the scene in 2006. They People had love sales. them. You couldn't big... get in there. You were lines out the door. But they were oversold. They were overextended. And look at the no, they had. I remember this. They had problems. Big problems. Oh, expanded, I mean, a few expanded years ago, too quickly. I mean, guys went to jail, right? right? There were uh, in that whole options thing or right. something, Krispy Kreme, right? And and they, they had uh, expanded way too fast. So you look at these sales, 460, 430, 280, yeah. 340. I mean, the sales were heading straight down through 2009. Sounds like they've cleaned it up. Revenues are starting to take off. Margins are definitely expanding. And uh, yeah. their their long term debts declined, and their cash has doubled. Yeah, so that's a nice think, one. So, you know there are enough. Uh, and plus, I love the big trend. Well, the big trend is is coming, is, and, and it's a, we look uh, and at they're the, a contributor, no yep. question about it. I mean, the thing about it is, here's what I'd add to that, and I, you know, I I, I don't go to Krispy Kreme that often. I mean, but when you do, you're glad you did. But here's what I'd note: there's a couple of foods. Like when you go in the elevator, mm -hmm. so you're, you know, you head down, you get something, you come back, and there's two different things where if someone just before you had this in the elevator, you can identify it by brand. One of them, McDonald's. If someone was in the elevator just before you, you're riding up in the elevator, 
You can you smell know. that there was a McDonald's bag in there. Yep. And the other one, Krispy Kreme, my friend. If really? someone comes up with a bag of Krispy Kremes. Really? Yeah, and I think there's something to that. I mean, it might be funny, but no. I mean, they are branding smell with their own distinct smell. And I'm honest, I, honest to God, I can't name another food or branded food. Other or, than or a scent, even a scent. Any well, scent. I mean, perfumes, you can tell. tell I guess, yeah. But, you know, coffee, Starbucks, can you tell the Starbucks from the... Uh, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts or the other, I mean, you know, you can. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But Krispy Kreme, I think they're getting you in all senses. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so, anyway, Krispy Kreme. Okay, one more. We uh, we looked through a lot of names uh, this, this, is one without, this is This is one without a Chinese name. And it didn't have a Chinese name, and we liked that. Well, uh, let me, let me, let me, yeah. let me you, ask you a question about sure. it. A standard motor products, by the way. Gotta love this. You know, talking about big trends. Cars, yeah. They're coming. These, everyone will have one. These guys make replacement parts for motor vehicles. So I had asked you before the show, yeah. I would have thought big trend, this would be a great company to buy because you would think that people are probably going to hold on to their cars a little longer and be repairing them instead of just trading them in. Yeah. But you were telling me before the show that car sales are up. Well... You know, we've mentioned this on the show. The economy seems to be doing a little better. And, you know, there's cycles and you know, there's newspapers that have to sell and all that. But generally, things are repairing. There is a natural repair cycle, and we're kind of uh, in it. And one of the drivers has been, as confidence has come back a little bit and interest rates are so low, is autos. So when we were walking through national economic trends, and we'll see it today, although we don't have to comment on it, Auto sales this year up 40% versus last year okay. in the same period. Now, up until that happened, all I was saying is the fleet of cars in America had gotten the oldest that it's ever been. And, of course, there's a couple reasons for that. One is cars are better than they ever were, so they don't break. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to change your oil as much, or if you don't, your car's okay, your tires last. You know, these cars are so well-built nowadays. So there's that element. But the other element is that people weren't buying cars to the same degree, and, you know, no one knows why. There's certainly an economic element to that. Um, styles are still changing often. So, you know, there, there's one thought that cars, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, even 60s, cars were the coolest thing around in the neighborhood. But now they're not. It's other stuff. It's computers or, you know, technology. And so those teenage kids who couldn't wait to get a car to work on somehow and all that, and that's all gone. So uh, that could be one theory. But the so point how do these, about how do, these, how do these coexist? You've got a, a, a growth in the, uh, in the new car market, and theoretically you're also seeing a commensurate growth in the replacement market. So they must be able to coexist and both grow. At the, they're not growing at the expense of each other. Well, if, there's, uh, if the average car... And I don't know the number. You have to go check it. But I think the average car in America is something like 8 or 10 years old now. And it used to be 6 years old because cars would just break down and rust away. Now they're better. And so that means if the average is 11, it means you got some new cars at 1 and some old cars at 19. I mean, I have a 20-year-old car that I keep in the garage. Just I have a 30-year-old like wife, and yeah. I let her in, in the yeah, house. absolutely. <laughs> I take it out a couple of times a year. And, yeah, I'm sure you do the same thing with your wife. But... Uh, in any case, um, the point is that these cars, 
even if you have a big surge in, you know, the first couple months this year, the, the average isn't going to go from 11 to 3. It's going to still be around, you know, 11, 10 and a half. I, Theoretically, to, that, that, uh, that advantage, that's an advantage for a company that does replacement, replacement parts. Replacement parts because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be in demand. It's more of, a, of an annuity. Um, and so, you're, you know, you, you know where your next – you know, sales coming from it's from that car that broke. No, down no, there. no. I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm always looking at this from a big picture perspective. But I agree the uh, the aging of the automotive population. Remember last week we did the uh, the replacement parts for old people that medical oh, products yeah, company, right. and it yeah. was the same, it was the same thing, same idea. They're, you know, they're living longer, which right. means they break down more. So the hips, average age knees, is older. You know, all that stuff. Absolutely, same, same idea well, in the in the motorized world. I agree with that completely. I love it. So People w- want to maintain this, and let's get into some of the numbers here. Tell me, because we're just talking conceptually at this point. It makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, look, four point six times EBITDA. Now, if EBITDA is trying to be a cash flow, earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation, it's trying to be cash flow. Now, granted, you're going to have some capital spending. You're going to have to invest in some equipment, plant equipment, stuff like that. But arguably, for you uh, theoreticians out there, capital spending is a net present value positive event, right? Should be, unless you're a bad manager. So if it's a bad manager, why are you buying the stock? Okay, so I've got you on that one. Probably a good manager. He's spending money, net present value positive. Why are you subtracting it? Okay, point one. Point two, did I have a point two, or maybe I just Doesn't had matter, a point but one? The, but the capex anyway, was $8, eight million, dollars, yeah, so, so that's it's not, not a lot. It's... So I'm going to take that 4.6, and I'm going to do the inverse, one over 4.6. That's 22% cash-on-cash return. And you're just the, – the, the rub on something like this is in auto parts – you know, you're lucky to get a GDP type of growth rate unless you're acquiring people and all that, which they very well may be doing. I don't know. They do $900 million in sales. Is there more, you know, what's the addressable market? Is it $10 billion Or if it's $1 billion, then they're there, right? right. But I, So I don't know that. But it looks like they've been kind of, you know, in the years they do grow, they put up, you know, there's a 10% year here. Here's a... You know, an 8% year, uh, there's a 3 So it's going to be single-digit growth, but you've got that 22% cash on cash, a couple percent. Uh, it's a mid-20s total return, in my opinion. Well, and, you know, uh, that's why I like it. Here's, a, here's another thing. 2.7% yield. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Yeah. That's no, like for free, right? That's for top. free. So you, you, I looked at that, and the other thing is there is a chart, which you can't see, but we've printed out. And uh, it says uh, it's breaking down their total revenues, and one is engine management, one is temperature control. But the third category is called European Group, and right now that is 0% of revenues. So the thing that intrigues me is if that is a new division which is yet to make a a contribution to any of the total revenues, and they're entering Europe... That, that could be a positive. Well, I huge. hope it's not an old division because then it's been a complete failure. Well, <laughs> one would want to find out if that Hey, was, how's uh, old Jim doing down there in the European group? How's yeah. his group doing? Well, we really – we don't oh, talk about Jim yeah, anymore. Jim's here. gone. But you would want to know whether whether that a European division was uh, That's interesting. past tense or forward-looking. Yeah. Well, that they're, be, uh, that they're out in, uh, you know, they're in Long Island, uh, New York. And so. they're 3,400 employees, so it's not yeah. a little company. The company was founded by Elias Fife and Ralph Van Allen in 1919. 19. Yeah, amazing. 
So that's that. Um, okay, so now, drum roll. Yeah, drum roll. We're coming to a very exciting part of the show. I can't even talk about it. That's the part of the show where we pour some more of uh, vodka, right? Yeah. Or no, don't hold no. that lighter over your head. Okay. The great, this is this uh, we're, is flammable. We're gonna do walking through national economic trends. Now the problem with that is we haven't actually yet walked through, so we're gonna pause the show. Uh, if I can get this thing going and come back here in a little while with some thoughts about walking through national economic trends. So hold on, everybody. Right. Okay, we're back with... We are. Yeah, well, that was fun. So we're back with walking through national economic trends. This is the issue from today, Mo. Today. We're actually, technically, aren't we talking through economic trends? Or paging through. I got the name wrong. We're paging paging through. through. Okay, but we are talking through them, too. We're talking through but we're not... We're not walking through literally. Now, okay, this is available. I talk about this a lot. At the Federal Reserve of St. Louis, they, they also have, have a free. they have an app for your iPhone. And they have a deli, but aside from that, yeah, they do have an app, and it's free, and it's got all the stuff about the economy. So it's, we just go through it. Some of it's interesting. Page two. So okay, <clears throat> so I'm on page one. That's just the title. So there's nothing really there. Why oh. why is it the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis and not New York that does this? They have more time on their hands? Uh, you know, there is a story. I think all the feds, they all wanted to find their own thing that they did that was special so that the government wouldn't close them down. Really? Yeah. And they needed to have a reason to live, you know. And I'm so not these- sure what the Federal Reserve does in other cities. Honestly, I don't. I know Washington, familiar with that. New York, I don't know what they do. You ever go down there? No. I don't know. Uh, but these guys, they got a monopoly on the publishing of economic trends. national economic trends. I think but if they're giving it away for free, how do they make money? That's a government agency. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> make money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a government okay. agency. Okay, so. First uh, page. First page uh, is the title. Second page. All right, I'm on page three. And uh, you can page along. They have a chart of the unemployment rate. People know this. I just think it's worth talking about. The unemployment rate peaked. In the roughly third quarter of 2009, at 10%, and there's been some, you know, rocky, you know, trading ranges here, but it's basically going down, and it's accelerating going down right now. It's at 8.1%, and uh, this isn't politics, ladies and gentlemen. It's just our economy is healing, and the unemployment rate's going down. That's good news. All right. Not that 8% is anything to brag about. Well, but look at the slope there. of that line. Uh, that thing is better. heading straight down. It's heading towards 6. That's what I'm predicting right now. Whoa. Okay. Uh, page 4. Did you have anything, Mo? Nope. No. Nope. Page 4, I made two little lines, so that's not a full thought. Oh, I it's thought that was a happy a face. No, it's just Looks a like half a, a thought. Oh. And that is there's a 30-year you know, chart on real 
gross domestic product. And, you know, last year when everyone was fearful, we were double dipping or Europe was going to triple dip it or what yep. have you. Yep. And that all could still happen. But look, GDP, it's kind of it's kind of flicking up right now. Flicking? Yeah, flicking up. Just want to point that out. Is that a technical term? Uh, I may trademark it. Yeah. Flicking That's what we do here. We do the flick analysis. The flicking up. Um, And then further down that page, Mo, uh, page four, something called real change in private inventories. And again, you know, people had some concerns. Uh, Inventories grew very fast after the downturn in 09 because people had to rebuild you know, companies just got a note from their bank, uh, no more loans in the fall of 08. So they stopped buying anything. But then they replenished as you got sort of through 09. And then it kind of been drifting down, you know. Uh, businesses were waiting to see were customers going to come back, anything like that. Well, right now, real change in private inventories, which tells a lot about business expectations for, you know, the next six, eight months, what have you, because these things are on the water, and they take time to get into the store. It's going straight up. So it touched zero, uh, you know, about a couple months ago, and I think it also would just give you the, you know, hint that maybe things are on the mend, Mo. That's I would my, agree. That's my thought. And you can follow along, <clears throat> and we may be completely wrong anyway. Let's see, page five, hide nothing. Yeah. Page six. Please skip ahead if this is really Oh, wait tedious. a minute. Wait what? a minute. Here, here. Put these on. What? Yeah. Put those on. <laughs> okay. Now, Rose-colored glasses? No. What? The, what I just put on, those are a, you need the 3D glasses. You could just, next time you go take your kids to the 3D movie, yeah. bring the glasses home with you because on they work on page, page six, six of National Economic Trends. Oh, the colors, man. Well, it's all 3D. Look That's at that. Amazing. It's a, it's a uh, three-dimensional. Consumption, imports, exports, inventories. So it breaks all the GDP. Components. And it's and it's totally How it's a total three dimensional diorama holograph image that pops right off the page. Does Princess Leia come out of there? That is pretty That's slick. amazing. Pretty all right, slick. page seven. I have a question. No. I do have a yeah. question for you. Okay. Page eight. Page eight. Okay. We had said earlier yeah. that the uh, the producer price index of finished goods. Yes. As opposed PPI. To Underfinished goods, unfinished. Unfinished. Goods. It's a yeah. good precursor of inflation. Could so, be, yeah. So People here's a here's predicted. this long term <clears throat> chart. It goes back to 1987, <clears throat> and the producer yeah. price index over that pretty much that entire time has gone from zero to four, zero to four, zero to four during these different during these different business cycles, and all of a sudden after from 1987 to 2007, yeah, <clears throat> trading in that tight range. This PPI went to eight in two thousand eight, yeah, and then went to minus yeah. five, yeah, in yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah, what's going on? Unprecedented. What, Unprecedented. what the hell does that mean? Well, okay. First of all, let me preface my answer with who knows. But here's what I'll say. First of all, if you look back to these recessionary periods, yep, they do spike up. So if you're looking at this line here. It's way off well, the Well, okay, up charts. here it hit nine, but look back here. In 91, it did get to six. Right. And then in 01, it got to a little over four. So it does spike up. But nothing like no, the last No, well, something. I'm just going to make the point. Then five. Now, here it was nine. What happened? Well, if you remember, a couple things happened. First, <clears throat> um, the Chinese 
started hoarding all the rare earth metals. And so all of those things started going up. All the things that, you know, sound, you know, palladium and maladium and zinc and copper and you know, all these crazy metals that you need in little pieces to go, not zinc and copper, but everything started going up. Oil went up. Every commodity went up. Gold was going up. Um, and one point to make is this consumer price index is in dollars. So, you know, the dollar, we talked about this because there's a companion piece, National Monetary Trends, which has that kind of information. But, you know, this is in dollars, and the dollar, uh, when you start to see that stimulus package and the money that we were spending, you know, the United States, the spending as a percentage of GDP started to rocket, and uh, a lot of that money, you know, you can see from this, what happened was it, it just started getting into price. And, but uh, then it totally reversed itself. And then itself. it totally reversed itself out. So if you just had, this is the changes. So if you had a graph of the absolute, it went up, Crashed. it went down, and it's back where it was. You had that spike of commodity prices kind of roll yeah. through, yeah, and, uh, and it's backed off. But it was unprecedented, and I think it's because the crisis we were in was unprecedented a little bit. So and when no one would loan money, when the banks said, we're not loaning money, Everybody just started hoarding assets. You couldn't buy them. They couldn't get the loan. There was fear that your working capital <clears throat> line was going to be cut. You couldn't make payroll. And there was a two-week period or three-week period, I mean, where it wasn't clear well, what was going to happen. One you last know, Lehman was going bad, Bear Stearns, oh, you know, the me. whole thing. Um, quick question. Yes, sir. Based somewhat on what you're seeing here, because we said this was a precursor of where um, inflation might go, and what's the view in your shop? Do you think, you know, some shops are saying we're printing so much money, we're, we're going to see huge inflation anytime soon, so they're looking at inflation hedges, and other shops are saying, you know, there's, there's very few safe currencies, and that's going to keep interest rates low and inflation low. What are you guys thinking in your shop? What are you guys thinking about inflation? Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, we... Don't pretend to be macro economists, so we have our own guesses. But we also, you know, think the, you know, the the Knicks, you know, are going to amount to something. So, um, you guys have always said that about the Knicks. Though. I know. Well, the point is, we we don't try to do that. We try to value companies. But to the extent that we're sitting around the Coke machine talking about this stuff, you know, there's been so much money. So I mean, we would we would be on the side of thinking that. Uh, you know, money supply growth ultimately leads to inflation, and I think Milton Friedman, uh, you know, had that view, and he's smarter than we are, and he's pretty freaking smart. And so we kind of, you know, think in those terms. It was also a, an easy way to understand that there wasn't going to be deflation. So um, when there was a fear of deflation, it, the, the theories of Milton F Friedman, now we're not economists, that, look, when you can print your own money and the rest of the world will accept it as currency, how could you possibly have deflation? You know, you just print more money. You get inflation. You stop it. So I think, you know, there's going to be inflation. It's uh, right now the real rate of return, even at current printed inflation, there's an inflation number in here somewhere. Uh, you know, it's sitting here. Look at the inflation number. It's two and a half percent. Yeah. If I put the money in money markets, I'm getting 1%. So there's already a negative return, which tells you that the risk premium, there's still a lot of fear um, because the risk premium is, is actually causing you to have a, to dip into principal 
to keep your money safe. And I think that that suggests that there's a lot of fear about inflation, disruption, you know, and, and, and it's, it's showing up in low interest rates. Interest rates are a price to get money. And right. if nobody wants money, why? Because there's nothing to do with it. There's nothing to invest in. People are just skittish until they think they see how the, you know, how the politics and the tax rates and all that are going to roll out. There's too much uncertainty, my opinion. That's why. So <clears throat> anyway, we got bogged down on page eight, which is fun. Let's keep going. All right, page, uh, now this one, this chart I thought was, uh, again, you know, you guys all seen charts before. This is on the bottom of page 12. It's called Debt Service Payments and Household Debt Outstanding. And uh, what I'd note about this chart, there's 30, or no, 25 years of data here, and it has two charts. One is Debt service payments as a percentage of your personal income. So how much does your you know, credit card bills cost you as a percent of your paycheck? And the other one is the changes in uh, household debt outstanding. So there's 25 years. The household debt outstanding for 21 of those years was going up every year. In some years by enormous amounts. This, this chart is amazing in the sense that in 2001, household debt outstanding went up 9%. In 2003, household debt outstanding went up 12%. What were people thinking? I'm sure you know a lot of that was probably in mortgages to buy homes and all that, and it was fueling, obviously, a run-up in price that was a bubble. It's and great while it lasted. Yeah, I mean, if you got out, you got out. But um, the point to make is that number has been below zero since mid-'08. Never been down there, and not since never 1986. Been. So, uh, you know, per people's balance sheets right now are repairing slowly, and that's, I think, why confidence is repairing. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the rate of decline is... Uh, coming down a little bit, so I would have to say from the slope of this chart that sometime this year people will start taking on a little debt again. But it took four years. I think that's pretty impressive. The other thing I'd note <clears throat> is that the percent of your paycheck that goes to debt service going down. got to a high, uh, you know, 6 of 14%, and now it's down to 11, which the last time it was that low uh, was in 1994. And so uh, the period between then and now was pretty good. And so we're getting back to a level, I think, where consumers are repairing. They're starting to feel a little more comfortable. And this data might just cause me to just on a whim predict that we're going to have a pretty good Christmas uh, this year because consumers' balance sheets are a little bit better and they're feeling a little more confidence. I think. We'll have a Christmas, our Christmas stock picks for you next week maybe. Will we? Christmas presents, stocking stuffers. Stocking stuffers. Okay. Um, hey, how about page 15? 16? Yeah, you're on page 16. Um, yes, sir. What do you got? <clears throat> I want you to look at something. I, I, I've never looked at these numbers. So You've I just done kind of, some calculations there, Mo. That was, I think that was is on that the a, page from it? whoever's looking at it oh, before me. Oh, okay, sure. This is the federal federal budget, the deficit. I, you know, I know I, I'm always relatively current on what the discussion is on the budget but I or the deficit but I never really looked at it from this historical perspective. So I know under the Clinton years, the, there was a surplus, and it was about 150 to 200 
That's trillion or billion? Billion. Those are billions. Billion yeah, a certainly. year. So yeah. good years are in the Clinton years. For the next seven years, the deficit was about two to three hundred billion a year. Yeah. And listen <clears> to these. <laughs> I didn't realize this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're two to three hundred a year, and then all of a sudden in two thousand eight. Yeah. You're minus four fifty, then minus fourteen hundred, minus thirteen hundred. Well, oh nine. Holy. Two thousand ten and two thousand eleven. I'm not a Tea Party person, but when you triple a deficit for four years in a row, I, no wonder they're worried. I never, yeah, I yeah, never yeah. thought of it in that no, no, it's enormous. stark of a reality. Yeah, no, it's pretty serious. And uh, But the good news is, look, there's a chart up here. It shows total expenditures and total receipts as a percentage of total GDP. And uh, expenditures as a percentage of total GDP got up to 36%. In '09, before they leveled off, and now it's uh, and it leveled off there for a couple of years. It's finally heading back a little bit, and so that does need to get back in sync. A and so, lot, a lot yeah. more if they're not going to. But the, I didn't realize that the the extent of those deficits in the yeah, last four years. Yeah, it's pretty enormous. But again, things are repairing, and uh, these deficits, uh, you know, naturally uh, should come down over time. They've got some. They've got some uh, explaining to do in Washington, certainly. But, uh, you know, I think from a near-term point of view, I'm, I'm optimistic because I see the consumer repairing. I see investment going back into residential. And so the government, you know, they're going to have to get their house in order, no question. But they'll, they'll get there. They'll get there. So, Anything else? No, i got to get – I'm hungry. i got to get – I do want to say one other thing, which is – uh, thank you to, again, the uh, Financial Survival Network. We Carrie, had a Carrie Lutz. Carrie Lutz. We did a nice uh, interview with Carrie. It's actually the Value Guy's first public interview, first live interview. You know, uh, our shows are all taped here in a secret location that's my office. And uh, But we did a live interview with Carrie at Financial Survival Network. And I think he's on WGCH on Tuesdays. I don't know the time, but... Go check that out in Greenwich, Connecticut. So that's all this week. I want to thank everyone for listening in to the Value Guys Stock Talk Show and uh, see all of our favorite stocks, ideas, indexes to past shows at www.thevalueguys.com. And thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend. Still have a good weekend, please. Actually, we thought we might just stick around until Monday and spend the weekend yeah, with you. Let's ya, do that. Since this, you know, time doesn't cost us no. anything. So, yeah, just keep us on and we'll spend the weekend together. Maybe we'll barbecue tomorrow. Hey, pass the remote, will you? We'll be there. Yeah.